0: So we're going to be focusing on a, a a rock and pop icon from the from the UK, also a Broadway star and a fashion fashion icon, and that would be David Bowie. And there's a new documentary out about him, and who unfortunately passed away. Uh, was it 2016, I believe?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it's his. So uh, it was 2016
0: his spirit and his music still is on and Tammy was able to catch that documentary. So Tammy, I know you're a huge David Bowie fan. Tell us how was it?
1: So it, okay. In a word, it was, it was amazing. It was, it's a documentary, but it's not a documentary. It is an immersive experience. And I saw it the night it was released on, or in an IMAX theater, so it was a complete assault to the senses. Um, psychedelic, it, it opens up with a, a psychedelic kind of montage of images and colors. And you really, I really thought, oh, are we going to have like an acid trip during this this film? Like, is this the type of experience? But it's really interesting that the the film itself, it's. It is a bit of a sensory overload at first, but then it starts to evolve into David Bowie as, gosh, the best way I can describe it is just being with David Bowie for a couple of hours in various aspects of his life that are previously unseen. So it's compiled from unseen footage. There's no, it's not a documentary in the sense of, it. there's no person talking. Here was David Bowie in this this phase of his life or whatever. It was just images and clips of songs, clips of... You almost felt like you were right next to him because most of the footage was very close up and very near him. It must have been some really intimate footage. And from what I understand, Brett Morgan, the filmmaker, it took him seven years to make the film. And he said he spent two years during the pandemic of pouring through all of this footage. I don't remember how much footage he said he had, but pouring through all old clips and that touched on various points of Bowie's career, life and career and he said by the time he got to the end and i think he spent like 12 hours a day for 2 years during the pandemic and he said the problem was when he got to the end of the footage he couldn't remember what he had seen mm-hmm. at the beginning i can imagine <laughs> i have no idea how he could i have no idea how he put together that film the film itself is a work of art mm-hmm. i mean it's it's stunning um, but there are a lot of takeaways for me personally watching the film it just seemed like david bowie and i i thought this before but this film really solidified it for me it seemed that david bowie was here on earth as an experiment i mean he was experimenting different things different ways to be it was The very first images you see of him are of Ziggy Stardust. And it really, and people thought he was an alien. People thought he, yeah, the man who fell to earth and and all of that. And really, as it kind of unfolds, you learn that it was a character that he was trying on. It was a character that artistically he wanted to explore. And I just get the sense that that's how he approached life. Everything that he did, it was like, I want to explore this. I want to explore what it's like to be a pop artist. That's, I remember not from this film, but from another interview that, that he said the, the let's dance phase was a phase that he wanted to explore what it was like to be like the biggest star in the world or a pop star Mm -hmm. and artistic expression to him was what drove him always. I don't think, I, I never got the sense it was about the fans or anything like that. Although, I mean, people were crazy for him, of course, myself included. But I don't think that was his motive. I think he really wanted to explore the depths of himself and creativity in a very spiritual sense. Like he was here on a spiritual mission to expand his hor- expand his horizon, expand it, push the boundaries of creativity. Like he did that through the vehicle of creativity. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really fascinating to see how he did that. There were, there were things like that he, there were parts of it that, that you could hear him talking in and and co- kind of quoting different, I don't know, things like, One of the things he mentioned a lot was how he wanted to get out of his comfort zone. That if he were comfortable, he wouldn't be able to create. And so he would. So once something had kind of run its course, like it was the, the thin white duke or whatever, whatever persona he was exploring at that time, and whatever creativity he was musically he was exploring during that time. Once that was over, he would remove himself from that situation and put himself in another uncomfortable situation to see how he would handle it. That is like almost verbatim of what he said.
0: It, you know, he and went, it, it, it's interesting but, that you bring that up because that's something that I was doing some some research into him and his career, and I remember watching an interview that, that spoke to that issue of. He was saying that for, I don't know if it was Les Dance or one of the albums, he said he wanted to try new people because he knew if he went back to the same people, it was was going to be predictable and nothing wrong and no judgment, but he wanted to tap into new people who would do something different or he didn't know what to expect. And I thought that was so interesting because often people want to do what is known and what is predictable and what is formulaic. Uh Totally. And if you look at his whole career, I mean, he was doing the whole gender bender business before anybody was, a lot of people were doing it. He was playing around, experimenting, putting himself out there, taking risks. And I think that's just so interesting artistically and and to hear you describe it, it it makes sense, right?
1: It does. He, he just was here. the boundaries of everything, of his mind, of artistry, of culture, everything. And, and then just to see him. So it would, it would forward to different periods in his life, very montage-y <laughs> in a montage-y sort of way. And at the beginning of his career, going through different phases, living in different areas, what that meant for him. And it, there was a a definite shift in his human experience. And that was when he met his wife, Amon Mm -hmm. and he, and that, that seems like David Bowie's life before artistically and all of those things, all those things, he was pushing everything. And then when he met Amon, how his life was after and how it was so centered around the human experience of love and being happy and having a family and, and all of that. And really, expanding in that way so it it's just the way that i see him and the way that i saw this film too was just a testament to the human experience from a spiritual perspective i know that sounds deep but it really but that's him Mm -hmm. he's a genius Mm -hmm. and and he's extremely spiritual and otherworldly and all of those things and this film does a really great job of immersing you in that experience this film is not going to be for everybody this film is going to be for hardcore bowie fans or if someone is really interested in bowie definitely probably creative people as well uh if you're going to see this film because you kind of like bowie or whatever you're probably not
0: probably, not, like probably it. not not for you huh
1: it's probably not for you uh yeah so, because it's different, it's very different.
0: Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up And For people who may not know her, she was a world famous model that came up in the eighties, cover cover girl, did all, hit all the the major covers, and she was From she's Somali, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, Somalian, yes. amazingly beautiful woman. And you know, I think I think they met kind of on the scene, like the New York scene or the London scene or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I. I th- I think you're right. I mean, there was some definite shift with him even kind of um just tackling some social issues um after they got together and I you could just tell because I've seen multiple clips of him in interviews that that relationship impacted him in ways that Absolutely. um is is obvious and he didn't say it that way but you can kind of tell that that's what's going on you can
1: tell how happy he is Mm -hmm. and i think he even says on a few interviews or one interview i saw that he was just so happy he Mm -hmm. was so happy with her and at home and with his family still inspired by music still and i think at that point in his career doesn't go into this in the movie but i think at that point in his career that's when he started mentoring more artists like nine inch nails influencing by this time there were other bands and artists that were hugely influenced by him and i think he became very interested in what they were doing and maybe collaborating with them from behind the he stepped he took a step back from the public eye for many many years to be with his family so i think that's how he was still creating i don't think his mind ever stopped and then the last album that he put out was basically about his death for his death. I mean, what a visionary mm-hmm. is the same visionary just doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of him. Mm-hmm. But again, this, I want to see the movie again. Like I went to see it. I didn't take, <laughs> I want to go back and take notes because there were so many amazing things that he said. And I, I do want to write an article about, about this, a, a review but I wanted to just go and experience it. I didn't want to think about what he was saying. I didn't want to try to grab any sound bites or anything. I wanted to just go as a participant and just be immersed in the experience and see how that felt. Mm-hmm. And the next time I go back now, now that I've been immersed and I want to be reimmersed, but I want to really listen more of some of the other messages and themes because they were really amazing.
0: Well, and you touched on something too that was interesting. Um, he had an. He definitely had an eye for for musical talent, and yeah. he would. I was watching some interviews last night. He, the Let's Dance album,
1: mm-hmm.
0: love that album. So, yep. so many great hits off of that. I didn't realize that Stevie Ray Vaughan plays a solo in Let's Dance. I, I
1: didn't. Know had no either. idea. <laughs> That's- didn't know that either.
0: But now that you now that I go back and listen to it, it's like, of course that's Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? Right. right. Of right. course, but he was saying that he saw Stevie Ray Vaughan play Stevie Ray Vaughan for people who may not know him is famous, famous guitar player who unfortunately died in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember when, um, but he had a very distinct style of playing. And he saw him at some blues festival, I want to say somewhere and was like, I want this guy, you know, and then that's how we got got him in, to participate in that in that album and maybe some other projects. Also, Peter Frampton played um, with with David Bowie. He just had a lot of people in his sphere, in his musical sphere, that were um, diverse. And I don't mean like ne- necessarily ethnically, but musically um, right. and ethnically as well. Um, he collaborated a lot with Nile Rodgers as well from She. Yes. We talked about yeah. Nile Rodgers um, from the yes. um, Taylor Hawkins tribute.
1: Right. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So he had, it, it's just interesting because I feel like he's people, musicians and, and artists who want to play around and move through with personas should really study him because he was a master at it. He had an idea about what he wanted to do, went for it. and. It played itself out and he went through so many different looks, so many different styles
1: and was able to pull that off. (laughs) I really think he didn't care what people thought. I think his main motive in life was to push his own levels of creativity and expand his mind, expand his being, expand everything. I really don't think he ever cared what anybody thought good or bad, even if people loved it, I really don't think I'm sure, I'm sure it was nice for him, but that wasn't his motive. It wasn't to have, um, admiration. It wasn't any of that. It was, it was purely artistic. And I think the movie does a really good job of describing that <laughs> not directly just through this immerse immersion. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, th- I
0: think that really speaks to his own confidence in himself as an artist. It's sort of like I have, this is what's flowing through me. I'm going to put out there. If you like it, great. If you don't, okay. <laughs> right. But this is where my creative process is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting.
0: And what what are some of your favorite David Bowie hits? What are some of your favorite songs or songs, I'll say?
1: Well, my favorite... Era is the "Let's Dance" era because that was when I was in high school and became familiar with David Bowie, and it just it just really spoke to me. And when he passed away, all I could think about was that "Let's Dance" video. It was weird; like I was crushed. Like it, the that was the first time that I experienced an artist passing where I was. It felt like a family member died. Like. I cried for weeks. Like, it took me a year. I And I know I'm not alone. I've read other people. First, I thought, I must be going crazy. Why am I so upset that David Bowie died? I don't know him. But uh, even Dave Grohl did a video. I think it was for, like, the Playboy Channel or something. It's not Playboy Channel rated. But he did a video with, with Pat Smear. And they talked about, they drove around to David Bowie's old haunts like where he lived in la and a couple different things and they talked about how much they love bowie and and any interactions and i'm like see i'm not the only one even dave (laughs) Grohl was devastated when david bowie died but but really but anyway the something about that time period and something i don't i don't know what it was but but i love ziggy stardust (laughs) phase Mm -hmm. i love the um Ashes to Ashes. I love that song. I mean, there's there's so much. There's I think I the, when I sent you last night, Blue uh, Jean. I love that song. <laughs> I love that video. There's yeah. just, and I yeah. and there's videos of him, interviews of him that are just fascinating. I think I just really connected with how freaking smart. It, not even smart. That's that's a dumb word. Int- highly intelligent, beyond what we can even comprehend. Intelligent he was. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it was about him that impacted so many of us in such a deep way, but he did. And still does.
0: Yeah. And I, and I feel that his, um, messages and his music lives on. He was a very mysterious artist. I and mean, if you look at some of the, um, interviews and conversations he's had with, with reporters and journalists. He has a very mysterious side to him. Um, and I feel that he was really exploring a lot of um, his own inner ter- um, terrain, so to speak.
1: For sure. You know, yeah. His, it's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah. Just based on interviews that I've seen in, of of him and if you look at his lyrics, I mean there was lyric that there's like him as a musician and then him as a lyricist as, as well. If you look uh-huh. at the lyrics. I was one of my favorite songs is Time Will Crawl. Love that song. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting video.
1: And so 80s
0: too. So 80s with mm. the, the dance studio kind of kind of scenery.
1: Just the sound of it.
0: Totally. Like, yeah. Very, very 80s. But apparently the song is about the Chernobyl um leak.
1: Oh, I didn't
0: know that. Yeah. And I, I didn't really know that either. But I went back and I looked at the lyrics. And I'm like, ah, there, there, there it is. And so I have a feeling that with some of his music, he knows what he was writing about. But we may not necessarily know, right?
1: <laughs> no. And again, I don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't for mass consumption, even though at times, at times it was. But mm-hmm. that was by design that that was because he that he wanted to explore that realm Mm -hmm. i just feel like in some ways he was an alien um and and many of us are so it's not just him but i really do feel like he just came to earth and was like i just these are the things i want to experience and it was just this awareness that's the thing that's interesting is the awareness that i'm i want to go push this boundary i want to go explore this and just it was very conscious Mm -hmm. so that's the other thing his level of consciousness we're talking spirituality and all of that his level of consciousness was really high coming in and not many people are like that at at that level Mm -hmm. so that's why i just i don't think i think he was an extremely conscious human being but still having a human experience Mm -hmm. there were still things he went through that are shown in the film that are very human Mm -hmm. um addiction or just i mean his cancer he
0: died of liver cancer right right Mm -hmm. right
1: he's he's was a yeah he still had a human experience he still had these human things happen so he it's not like he was above any of that and Nobody is. You're on earth. You're going to get hit with stuff one way or another, no matter how evolved you are. So it was it was fascinating. It's a it's a fascinating documentary that I bet I could watch it five times and get something different out of it each time.
0: Great. And it's called Moon Age Daydream, correct?
1: Moon Age Daydream.
0: And that's based on a song, one of his songs, earlier songs.
1: That's what we found out today mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yes, and, a, and a, a, a word that he invented. So there you go.
0: There you go. So, I mean, talk about uh, an artist that invents, reinvents. I mean, he went through so many different phases, Ziggy, sorry, dust. And just if you musically, so you look at him and, and, you know, the different personas, the different um, fashion statements he was making, but he also was making kind of political and social more social statements. And we've discussed this offline. Um, I believe it was after he had gotten with Iman, I I believe that time period. And there's a a pretty well-known clip of him. He's on MTV and he's being interviewed by Mm -hmm. one of the Mm -hmm. DJs at the time. And after they interview him about the latest release and what he's doing, and he says, I have some, some things I'd like to bring up. And he very poignantly says, why doesn't your channel feature more black, artists and videos. There's so many great videos right. out there. And for people who want to go find that, you can Google it and you can find it. They had Mark a very Goodman. Mark Goodman had a very interesting exchange and yeah. Goodman was saying, well, we're trying to nar- narrow size or do some, use some word and we're trying to appeal to audiences. And he's like, Michael Jackson, you're not playing Michael Jackson's music. Well, we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. And he's like, Hmm. It called him out. <laughs> it right. yeah. called him out on it. it and not long after that, they obviously started playing and, and mixing it up. But I think for a lot of bands that were coming up at, at, at that time, if you got airplay on MTV, you blew up. Right. That right. was just reality. And so, and so, I you, think so, yeah. And if you didn't, you were... Well,
1: they replayed it over and over.
0: Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? <laughs> right?
1: And over again. <laughs> and
0: over yeah. again. And then some... And so it was, and he was just polite about. It. He's very, very classy, and and he didn't, he wasn't argumentative or confrontative. But yeah, what a what a great um, question to ask. Like, why doesn't your channel play songs by extremely popular African American artists? Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: So David Bowie never ceased to amaze and never sees to surprise and um we're we're still talking about him he he was much, much 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 will. more yeah. than a pop singer that's and a rock oh, no. rock and roll singer yeah. that's for sure yeah any any no, final no. thoughts about um moon age Daydream? I i
1: I don't think so i think um go see it if you're a Bowie fan go see it it's it's amazing it's really, and I almost felt like. I felt very nostalgic too. Like it was just so. It was so great to to see him again. Just see him alive. See him. Um, I don't know. It was just great. So again, go see it. I'm gonna go see it again and probably again.
0: I I plan to go see it too, and I'm I'm so excited to to have you bring it up and have this great conversation about him. He's passed, but his music and his influence and his spirit is is definitely still out there. Obviously. And um, what a a great performer and what an an amazing time to be on the planet with someone who was that creative, right? Right.
1: How lucky are we? How
0: lucky are we? Absolutely. Awesome. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button and we'll see you next
1: time.